0: I begin this morning with a story of Dave Carroll. You probably don't know him. Dave Carroll is a guitarist for the band Sons of Maxwell. Again, an obscure band that you definitely would not know. What brings Dave Carroll Carroll notoriety is that he flew on United Airlines. And the baggage handlers in the Chicago hub of United Airlines damaged his $3,500 Taylor guitar. It was shown that the baggage handlers were tossing his guitar on the tarmac. He filed a complaint with the airline company, but this nobody of a person didn't receive much of a response. It's as if they didn't seem to care. He was given the wraparound, the runabout. What could this? little insignificant person due to a company as large as United Airlines. Well, Dave Carroll is a musician, and so what he did was, he did, naturally, was to write three songs about how United Airlines breaks guitars. His first song is a music video entitled, United Breaks Guitars. It went viral on YouTube and now has more than 14 million views. You don't have to view it now. You can view it when you get home. The second music video is entitled, the unoriginal, United Breaks Guitars 2. And he sings about the horrible customer service response he receives. The third music video is entitled, United Breaks Guitars 3. It is released in March of 2010, and you can watch all of them on YouTube. What happened? You asked. Within a week of the song's release, United Airlines stocks dropped by more than 10%, costing shareholders $180 million because they would not respond to a $3,500 damaged guitar. I love stories like that. And I know you do as well. It is the story of revenge. The little person finally wins over the big bad company. In the English idiom, there is a phrase entitled, Revenge is sweet. It implies that it feels great. To finally get back at someone who has wronged you. Someone who has done something to you and something has happened to them in return. And it makes you feel good. Revenge is sweet. And you admit it, if you're honest with yourself as I do, that in our human sinful self, it really feels good to take revenge on someone. Especially someone who has hurt you. When life affords you the opportunity to get even, what do you do? Do you find satisfaction, true satisfaction, in getting even? There will be many times in your life when you are given that opportunity to get even. What will you do? This morning we continue our series entitled, No Filters, The Consequences of Authentic Living. We see that when life affords you the opportunity to get even, you have one of two choices. You can either exact revenge or you can forgive. We're going to see this morning that while revenge is sweet, forgiveness is sweeter. How does this play out in real life? If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 42 as we continue our study in the life of joseph genesis chapter 42 if you're new to the bible that is the first book in the bible we're going to be covering all the way until chapter 45 verse 15 i would love to exposit every one of these verses but if you have time would you go home and read the details of these exciting chapters In these chapters, Joseph has the opportunity to finally get back at his brothers. The very brothers who sold him into slavery. What does he do? Look with me. In verses 1 to 5 of chapter 42, it is in the midst of the seven years of severe famine that God has revealed through Pharaoh's dreams. If you remember, as we talked about last week, Joseph has risen from the rank of a slave to that of a a prime minister literally overnight because he's able to interpret the dreams that God has given Pharaoh that Egypt will experience seven fruitful, bountiful years followed by seven years of severe famine. And here in this time of famine, it has spread outside of Egypt to the surrounding region and has spread to the land of Canaan where Jacob and his son live. And so without food, Jacob sends his ten sons to Egypt to buy food, but leaves the youngest, Benjamin, behind. Benjamin is the only other son of his favorite wife, Rachel. Without Joseph, with Joseph gone, Benjamin is now Jacob's favorite. And as per the instructions of Pharaoh himself, all those wishing to buy grain from Egypt must first appear before Joseph. And that's where we pick up the story as the ten brothers appear before Joseph in verse 6 of chapter 42. Look with me. Now Joseph was governor over the land and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them and and spoke harshly, roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. Verse 8. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. The Bible tells us Joseph immediately recognizes his brothers who come to seek for food. But they don't recognize Joseph because more than likely he is wearing Egyptian garb. He looks very culturally Egyptian and he speaks through a translator. The Bible seems to implicate that Joseph, when he sees his brothers, is angry at them. He speaks harshly to them. Perhaps all those years of pent-up anger, all those years of emotions against his brothers who has sold him into slavery and where he had endured 13 years as a prisoner in a foreign land, all of it comes out. And none of us can really blame him for acting this manner. But then something happens to Joseph. Read carefully verse 9. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. The Bible tells us that suddenly Joseph remembered the dreams he dreamt when he was a young man. Remember about the stalks of grain bowing to his, about the stars bowing to him. And in this moment, Joseph suddenly realizes that his brothers coming to Egypt is a divine appointment, a fulfillment of God's prophecies. And it was happening now as his brothers, ten of them, were bowing to him. As the dreams of others have come true, that of the baker, that of the butler, even the very dreams of Pharaoh, Joseph realizes that when he was a young man dreaming those dreams that curried the envy of his brothers, it was now coming true. And he was softened in his heart, realizing that that this was the plan of God. And so I believe Joseph's motive is no longer to exact revenge, knowing that this is God's divine plan. In fact, we're going to find out later in his interaction with his brothers that Joseph will break down into tears on four occasions. And it is in these four times of emotional breakdown that will show us the four principles of why forgiveness is so much better than the sweet satisfaction of revenge. Joseph will demonstrate forgiveness and compassion and he will receive something better in return, more than if he exacts revenge on his brothers. Well, Joseph naturally wants to see that his brothers have changed. And so he accuses them of being spies. Look at verse 10. And they said to him, No, my lord, but your servant has come to buy food. We are all one man's son. We are honest men. Note that, circle that. Your servants are not spies. But Joseph said to them, No but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today and one is no more. You know, it's interesting if you stop here without knowing the rest of the story, they offer up more information than they need to. Joseph never asked about how many brothers they had. It's as if these brothers, when they said, we're honest men, offers up this information to Joseph, who they don't know is Joseph, to tell them, here we are ten, there's one with dad in Canaan, and there's one who is no longer with them, who's perhaps died. If they had not mentioned Benjamin or Joseph, then Joseph would have known that they were liars and had not changed. Perhaps in those 20 years, these brothers of his have been trying to prove to the world just how honest they now were. Well, in verses 14 to 17, Joseph tells them to bring Benjamin to him if their words are true, or else they will be convicted as spies. And he kept them in prison for three days. In verses 18 to 20, Joseph releases them from prison and holds one brother back, while the rest are allowed to return back to Canaan to bring back Benjamin. Look at the brother's response to all of this, verse 21. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore, his distress, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. Note verse 23. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. We get a glimpse into the very heart of these brothers. It's as if we, like Joseph, pretend as if we don't understand what they're saying, but we really do. And we see these brothers are truly repentant. They own up to what they've done. They, they consider themselves guilty for, they, for a sin they committed more than 20 years ago. Apparently, in these many years, they lived with guilt. And when one lives in guilt, one will believe that when something bad happens to them, it's not simply bad fortune, but because they are being punished for their sins. Can you imagine living a life like that? Where every time you think something bad happens to you, you think it's because of the sin you committed. Terrible way to live. Joseph understood all that they said. And it so deeply affected him that he does this in verse 24. And Joseph turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Joseph is no longer angry with them. In the tenderness of his heart, of forgiveness. He weeps at their moment of honest admission of their guilt. You know, he could have made them suffer in prison like he suffered. They were only there three days. He was in prison for 13 years as a slave. He could have really messed with them. He could have really abused them, made them suffer for how they made him suffer. But instead, Joseph showed them a repentant heart. And for that, he saw in them a repentant heart. You see, while revenge is satisfying, forgiveness brings with it a greater satisfaction. The satisfaction of seeing repentance. If you're taking notes, that's number one the first benefit of forgiveness over revenge is that you have the privilege of seeing repentance. You may or may not admit it, but if someone has wronged you, at the very end, what you're really looking for is not revenge. What you are desiring is an admission on their part that they have caused you pain. An admission on their part that they were wrong. If you exact revenge, you will not see this. Revenge will only result in the hardening of their hearts and your heart. But forgiveness brings about it the ability to see repentance. Eli Wiesel is a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust. He has written many books. And one of my favorite quotes of his is this. Someone who hates one group will end up hating everyone and ultimately hating himself or herself. Elie Wiesel is not talking about the Nazis. He's talking about himself. Wiesel is one who knows the beauty of seeking repentance versus seeing revenge. Someone who hates one group or someone will end up hating everyone and ultimately hating himself or herself. Forgiveness brings with it repentant hearts. Revenge brings with it the hardening of hearts. Let's continue in verse 25. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey thus he did for them. In verses 25 to 38, we find out that Joseph releases them to go back to Canaan, the nine brothers. He provides them with grain, with supplies, with provision, everything they needed. He even returns their money back to them. When money has been returned to you, when you get a refund of anything, what is your mood? What is your attitude? You are happy. When you get something for free, you are happy. But look at their reactions in verse 28. And one brother said to his other brother, My money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? Imagine how funny that statement sounds to ordinary people. Oh my goodness, God has given me money. Ridiculous. But as a side note, that's why feeling guilty or living in guilt is one of the most terrible experiences you can have because you can't enjoy life. And we'll talk about that in a different sermon at a different time. You guys just got your money back free food i love free food you should be praising god because now you can buy more but to them it was a curse anyway the nine tell jacob their father when they returned of all that had happened in egypt and how they needed to take back benjamin with them so that they can appear and not be called spies to be able to buy more grain. And also, by the way, Dad, Simeon's in jail as a collateral. Well, Jacob naturally refuses to allow Benjamin to go back to Egypt with the nine brothers' father, still showing favoritism. I don't care if you nine brothers die or ten. Benjamin doesn't go. Reuben offers the life of his two sons if something happens to Benjamin. Jacob flatly refuses chapter 43 in verses 1 to 15 of chapter 43 we are told that the famine is very severe and they'd eaten through all of their food supplies that they had gotten from egypt and so Judah approaches his father and he tells his father dad we got to go back to egypt to buy food but we can't go back without benjamin And here, Judah, like Reuben before, says, I will be the bond. I will be the guarantor. I will be the surety for Benjamin. If anything happens to him, you can blame me. Finally, some responsibility taken by this man. What a change of character for the brother whose idea it was. If you remember from a few weeks ago, it was Judah who had the idea to sell Joseph to the slave traders. Desperate for food, Jacob finally agrees and asks them to bring the best of gifts from the land and to bring back double the money to pay back the Egyptians. So with Benjamin in tow, they head back to Egypt and when they arrive in verses 16 to 25, they are treated to a grand banquet, a luncheon prepared by Joseph's staff, verse 26 of chapter 43. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed down before him to the earth. Here they were again. Now they were bowing down before him, presenting the gifts they had brought from Canaan to Joseph. There they were, all the brothers. You would think that if Joseph was like you and me, because I put myself in his shoes, I would toy with them a little bit. Make them sweat it out. Make them suffer. Make them do the chicken dance. I don't know. But instead, look how Joseph responds. Verse 27 and 28. Then Joseph asked them about how about their well-being. How are you guys? How are you doing? How was your trip here? And he asked them, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke? Is he is he still alive? They answered, your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. Joseph, wow, seemed to care so much for the well-being of his family. The very family who seemed to have abandoned him more than 20 years ago. And then he saw Benjamin, verse 29. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? Joseph said to Benjamin, God be gracious to you, my son. His eyes laid upon his full brother Benjamin, and he blesses him. Look what happens in verse 30 to Joseph. Now Joseph's heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to cry, to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and he restrained himself and said, Serve the bread. Joseph runs out of his chamber. He cannot control his emotions. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to give Benjamin a hug. He wants to tell his brothers it's okay. But he doesn't want to show his emotions, and so he takes off. And remember how we left the brothers? They were prostrated on the floor. They must have been wondering, where did the prime minister go? Is he mad at us? He's taken a long time. You women and some men know that when you cry, your eyes get puffy. It takes some time for that swelling to come down. It must have been torture for them. Can we get up? Will he be angry if he doesn't find us prostrated? And instead of revenge, you see the heart of Joseph. He yearns for his brothers. He sees them as people, his own family, people who are repentant of heart. And in these verses lies the second benefit of seeking repentance instead of seeking revenge. Number two, the second benefit is you get to keep a beautiful heart. I'll explain this. Keeping a beautiful heart. You see, when you seek revenge on someone, when you seek revenge, you vilify them. You see them as inhumane. You don't see them as people. You see them as people who deserve all that they deserve. They will never be your friend. These are bad people. And yes, maybe they do deserve it. But you know what revenge does? It hardens your heart. But when you forgive someone, you see them as people. You see them as people perhaps to be pitied. You see them as family. And if they are believers, as members of the family of God, if you show forth forgiveness, you see them as friends. Revenge will harden your heart. You will become very bitter. Forgiveness brings with it the benefit of a beautiful heart. Let me give you an example. If you have clay, and you take clay and mold into something and put it out into a very bright, sunny day, what does that sun do to the clay? It hardens it. And then take a stick of butter and bring it out to the very same sunny day affected by the same strong rays of the sun. What happens to the butter? It melts. Same sun to affect. Hardening, softening. So it is in your life and mine. The same circumstance can elicit from you a hardening of your heart in bitterness or a softening of your heart in tenderness. And it is up to you how you want your heart to be. But the benefits of forgiveness over revenge is that you get to cultivate a beautiful heart. There's a story told of a righteous man. He was engaged in his early morning devotions under a tree whose roots stretched out over the riverbanks. During his devotions, he noticed that the river was rising and there was a little small scorpion caught in the roots about to drown. So this righteous man crawled out to the roots and reached out to try to save the scorpion to free it from the rising water. But every time he tried to reach out to the scorpion, the scorpion stung back at him. An observer came along and said to the righteous man, Don't you know that's a scorpion? And it's in the nature of the scorpion to want to sting. To which the righteous man replied, That may well be, but it is in my nature to save and must i change my nature because the scorpion does not change its nature it's great must i change because someone else does not must i live in bitterness because someone won't ask for forgiveness no you change you show forth forgiveness regardless of what the other party does same son, same circumstances. What will your heart look like? I hope you will cultivate a beautiful heart. Chapter 44. In verse 1 to 3, they are allowed to return home, all 11. Joseph instructs his chief steward to give food and supplies the 11 brothers on their way back to Canaan. He, like before, returns all all of their money in each brother's sack. But this time, very interestingly, Joseph asks that his personal silver cup be put into the cup of Benjamin. And then they were sent on their way. In verse 4 to 8, we are told that Joseph calls the very same steward And he says, would you go and overtake my brothers on their way back to Canaan? And would you ask them if any one of them took my silver cup? And so the steward does that. And his brothers are so surprised to be accused of doing such a thing. So sure that not one of the brothers took it that they offered this in verse 9 of chapter 44. With whomever of your servant it is found, let him die. Whoever's got the silver cup, he will die. And we also will be the Lord's slaves. We will all become slaves to Joseph. So sure, it was not with them. Well, the steward knew it was there. He put it there. And so he tried to soften them up. Hey, don't be so dramatic there. Verse 10. And he said... Now also let it be according to your word. Notice he changed it. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and the rest of you shall be blameless. The one with the cup, he will be the slave. The rest of you are free to go. Now why do you think that Joseph wants to isolate Benjamin? I believe Joseph wanted to see if his brothers had really transformed You see, it's one thing to know if someone repents of a past sin. It's a one-time event. They were sorry for what they did. But it's completely different to see if they are transformed as people. You and I are sorry, and we ask for forgiveness if we're caught. And then we vow to ourselves we will never be caught again. And if we are, we'll then be sorry then. There is something different between asking for forgiveness for that one occasion of indiscretion and totally changing the way you live your life in transformation. And Joseph wanted to see if these brothers were transformed. Do you see the parallel? Joseph does not know about Reuben's offer of his two sons as a guarantee for uh, Benjamin's safekeeping. He doesn't know about Judah's offer to be the guarantor to his father. He wanted to know if his brothers are willing to allow one of the brothers to suffer, like what happened to him, or would they rally around him. Same parallel situation. Joseph, the favored one, what happened to him? Sold into slavery. Benjamin, the favored one now, right? Will they just simply disregard and tell daddy, sorry, he stole the cup? Would they let him take the fall? Well, in verses 11 to 15, the steward does find that silver cup in Benjamin's sack. And they're all shocked because they know about the implication of what will happen. But instead of allowing Benjamin to go by himself, they all return back to the city and they all appear before Joseph to plead their case on behalf of Benjamin. They cared so much for this brother unlike their own treatment of Joseph years before. Even though Benjamin was clearly the favorite of Jacob, he was still their brother. They had changed. They would protect him. I hope you will have time when you get back home to read the impassioned plea of Judah for the life of Benjamin in front of Joseph in verses 16 to 31. We don't have time. But here in this impassioned plea, Judah recounts to Joseph all that has transpired. He reveals the guilt of their sin, the heartbreak it caused his father, knowing that he would lose the second of only two sons of his beloved wife, Rachel. You just simply see in these verses the impassioned plea of a transformed man. Remember, this is the very guy who had no problems selling Joseph to the slave traders. I share only with you a bit of his speech in verses 30 to 34. Now, therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad Benjamin is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when Jacob sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father. Judah, the spokesman of the ten, says, I cannot bear the thought of the news that Benjamin is not returning, what that would do to my father. he would literally kill him. I want you to think about that. This is the same man who had no problems, as we talked about a few weeks ago, going to his father and seeing his father grieve because he thought wild beast had killed his favorite son. And to go to his father in front of his face and comfort him and said, it will be okay and lie to his father's face. Now plea before a Stranger, He cannot bear the thought of what a second news like this would do to his father. He did it the first time. He could have easily done it the second time. And here's the clincher: Judah owns up to his promise to his father, "Let me be the slave in place of Benjamin." Do you see how ironic that is? The man whose idea it was to sell Joseph as a slave says, I will be a slave. On Benjamin's behalf. Could he have not offered that? Could not one of the brothers 20 years ago had offered to be the slave in place of Joseph, not a one? And here you see Judah doing the very thing we would not expect him to do. Look at the outcry of the reaction of Joseph in chapter 45, verse 1 and 2. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all who stood by him and cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so loud that the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph weeps in front of his brothers. He weeps so loud the entire royal court can hear him crying, sobbing. What is he crying about? I believe he is crying full of joy. All those emotions come out. He can no longer contain himself. He doesn't have time to run to his chambers to cry. He sees in front of him brothers who have completely been transformed and he could not wait to embrace them To reveal himself as Joseph, the brother that they had sold into slavery. To tell them it will be okay. That he has no hard feelings toward them. And it all came out in a tearful sob. You see, my friends, the third benefit of forgiveness over exacting revenge is that you get to witness life transformation witnessing life transformation if people got what they deserved the first time they did something wrong then you and I would never see lives transformed Lives are transformed when God shows His grace and mercy. And the acknowledgement of men and women to the grace and mercy of God when He could have exacted revenge begins to transform the life of someone, someone who's completely different. When you exact revenge on someone, they feel okay, that's it. I've paid my dues. I hurt you, you hurt me, we're even. Just go on with life. But when you repay evil with good, it will cause in their hearts, with the working of the Holy Spirit, such imbalance, such insecurity, such experiences of grace and mercy, that they will begin the process of life transformation. Transformation. It is beautiful to witness lives radically changed. But that only happens in forgiveness. Verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him. For they were dismayed in his presence. They were rendered speechless. Why is, is this Egyptian looking guy crying now speaks our native tongue and says he is Joseph. And That's why verse 4 Joseph said to his brother please Come near to me. Look, it's me. So they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, I love this, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here for God, sent me before you to preserve life. He says, brothers, don't worry. Don't feel guilty anymore. Don't beat yourself up. God has a higher purpose in all of this. And we'll study this in a few weeks. It is God's plan. I'm no longer angry with you. They couldn't believe it. In verses 6 to 13, Joseph invites their families to come Egypt to live there would be five more years of severe famine he says I'll take care of you guys you will live in the best land of Goshen and I will provide you with everything wow To a bunch of people who deserve nothing Joseph has been trying to give them back everything he gives them their money back Now he gives them a home, security. I will give you and take care of you forever. Verse 14 and 15. And Joseph fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him the fourth time that joseph cries one has to be moved by this restoration of kinship and friendship unless you have a heart of stone for the first time in more than 20 years they are talking as brothers to brothers without a translator not in a formal setting as brothers to brothers The last time they heard Joseph's voice in their native language was when he was pleading for their life. Brothers, do not do this to me. Do not sell me as a slave to a foreign land. And perhaps those words rung in their ears until the very next time, more than 20 years after, they again hear Joseph's voice in their mother tongue saying to them, all is forgiven I will provide for you. I will take care of you. This is a picture of restoration. The fourth benefit of demonstrating forgiveness over exacting revenge you will have the privilege of experiencing restoration. In revenge, there is no restoration. In forgiveness, there is. In the reality of the world you and I live in is a world that says you must take revenge. You must pay evil with evil. But in the scriptures we are told that when we no longer exact revenge but bring about forgiveness, we will receive the benefit of seeing repentance. We will get to keep a beautiful heart. We will witness life transformation. We will experience restoration. As I studied this passage this week, my thoughts turned to God and how that practically plays out in our life. It works the same way with God. God was rightfully wrathful with us. He was mad. He was angry because we caused Him to be angry with our sin. He could have given us what we deserve. I won't use the word revenge, but He could have exhibited that and we would have been deserving of our sin and the consequences of it, which would be death. We are deserving of hell. But because God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Because of his love, we are reconciled to God through the propitiation of his Son, Jesus Christ. It means the wrath of God is appeased because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and now He can call us friend. Before we were enemies, now we are the friends of God. He has forgiven us. He has given us everything. As one who has initiated forgiveness, should not our Lord also deserve to see a response in our life? Should he not see the benefits of forgiveness? To see in us a repentant heart? To see in us a beautiful soul and heart of friendship with him? Should he not expect Whole life transformation. Should not He expect our desire for fellowship in restoration? He forgave us. He forgave me and He forgave you when He could have given us our just rewards. If He gave us what we deserve, I would not be standing here this morning. I do not deserve to be the pastor of any church because of what I've done in the past. And if you look at your life, you do not deserve also the blessings and mercies that God continues to pour out in your life. And yet because He chooses to forgive us, we have what we have. Can he not see in us the transformation of our life which will bring honor and glory to his name? My friends, revenge is sweet but forgiveness is sweeter since we have experienced it through the Savior should we be willing to give it to others? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Joseph. And through the faithfulness and the tenderness of soul in this young man's life, I'm reminded how much more beautiful it is to forgive than to exact revenge. In a world that tells us to fight back for our rights, may we understand if we do so we will not be able to see all of the benefits that forgiveness brings I pray this morning that each person here having been the recipient of forgiveness from above daily forgiveness may we also extend it into the lives of others for your glory's sake so that you may be well pleased with our life. Help us to understand and just really trust and live out while revenge is sweet. Forgiveness is sweeter. Bless your people. Bless our church. That we will be known always as a people, recipients of forgiveness. We are willing to extend it to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.